Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Creative Native. We took a little time off for uh, the holiday and, of course, Native American Heritage Month, but Native American Heritage does not stop on the Creative Native podcast. I'm really excited about the episode we have for you today. I spoke with um, one of my favorite Native athletes, Miss um, Caitlin Ramirez, professional basketball player, and she has just a ton of great stories about her basketball career and growing up um, playing basketball, being Native, and just everything in between. And of course, our um, mutual love for Candace Parker and Pat Summit. So gotta love that. Um, but yeah, check out the episode. Let us know what you think, um, who you want to have on next. Um, but we appreciate you listening. Enjoy. All right, Caitlin. So do you want to just start by, this is the, probably the hard question, but just Kind of explain like where you are right now, just in life. <laughs> where I'm at in life. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm kind of at a huge crossroads. Um, I just got back from Israel, and now it's kind of just like, do I pursue my basketball playing career? Or do I pursue it as a coaching perspective to help other athletes or Native American athletes or, you know, whoever it is that I want to do. I actually got offered a um, to coach an all-Native American team back in Oklahoma. Awesome. Um, so that I'm, I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah, but that's I'm also great. still waiting on a phone call to pick up the second half of basketball season overseas. Yeah. So it's kind of just a decision I have to make. Um, so that's kind of what I'm balancing out right now. That's kind yeah. of what I'm dealing with right now. Um, but I know, you know, my time will come, and if it's what's meant for me, it'll happen. Yeah, so for sure. Day by day. So so to back up a little bit, can you kind of explain what happened, like the injury and all that? Like are you having to have surgery, or what's going on? Um, that's where I'm, I'm dealing with. Um, but it, it's kind of like, it's not an ongoing injury. It, it, it happened, I mean, I've had injuries before, of course. You know, I've played yeah. my whole entire life, so I've yeah. had injuries. Um, it just happened to be the same knee that I had my ACL surgery on, uh, which was my left knee. And during practice, um, I was just going up for a simple routine layup, and, you know, and next thing I know, I kind of get taken out um you know and so it it got my knee and I I had problems with it and I still have problems with it today um I actually went to go see a couple doctors and they told me we definitely want to get an MRI we definitely want to get an x-ray um which I actually did all of that while I was overseas but you know the the club slash team there felt like well we need somebody now because we weren't right. winning games. It was only two games in. We lost the first two games. And they're like, well, we have to bring somebody in who's going to win games. And I was supposed to be that person. But because the injury had happened, which is a part of basketball, yeah, um, 
you know, they kind of just weren't patient enough with me, and they were just like, well, you know, we're unfortunately, we're going to have to let you go, and, you know, so I was, I was very hurt by that. I was very yeah. upset by that, because I was just like, I came over here 100% healthy, now I'm leaving here having to do this all on my own when I signed a contract, and I did, you know, all yeah. of this. Yeah. And oh my now gosh. I kind of got, you got the you know, kind of the shaft. Yeah. Pretty much, but, yeah. Yeah. So as far as surgery, I'm sure it's going to have to happen. Um, it's just more of when I'm going to push that through. Yeah. For it to happen. Because again, I still kind of have like, um, I'm still in that crossroad of wanting to pursue a coaching job or wanting to pursue the plane, you know? Yeah. So it, it just kind of, it comes down on me. But yeah. Yeah. I'm not so, rushing anything right now. Yeah, for sure. So was that team? So the team in Israel was that? I, I guess I'm just I want I'm curious about like how the league set up. Is it kind of like an an international team league with like tons of different teams across the or across the world, or is it like kind of more regional? Or were you playing like just teams in Israel? How was that? What was that like? Well, the difference is because you know last season I played in Spain. Right. Last season in Spain, there's a bunch of international. Like, there's a bunch of players from all over. Like, there's from, from Finland, Poland, you know, even Canada and Jamaica. You know, so there's a bunch of internationals that would come over and play for in the Spain League. But now, as far as the Israel League, it was completely different because they're all Israelis. Like, they're, uh, all, they're all local. Like, when gotcha. the, like, last year, they were just like, we're, we're all provided apartment, we're all provided, you know, a house or apartment, living, you know, residential, all of that is provided for us. Well, here, we had, or in Israel, there was a couple of girls that were from Tel Aviv, which is like 20 minutes away, so they would travel every, they would commute every single day. Wow. And a couple girls, so they're, they're, they were never in the same town, like it was just, they have their friends, they go to, and it, it's odd because I was, in, I went from being the oldest or the youngest on the Spain team to now be in the second oldest mm. because it was just like a huge adjustment because everybody's so young on the team that I was playing with. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I was playing with, you know, 17 to 20 year olds and here I am, me and my roommate, my uh, roommate is was 25 so she's been playing overseas for quite a bit and so it was very, it was a huge adjustment because, yeah. you know, they, they don't know, you know, the simple things of, you know, playing with different teams. Yeah. So it was, it was a huge adjustment there. Yeah. So are they even playing in uh, college or are they just going straight from high school? Well, in Israel, this is going to seem really different, but this was a huge culture shock for me. So yeah. whenever I got there, they're still in high school. Yeah. Oh so my there's gosh. these, and they played on the 18 and under national team for Israel. Uh, so they're, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but once, whenever they graduate high school, you have to go to the army for two years, like wow. the army army. Yeah. So the girls go for two years and the, and the men go for three years. Um, so they have to do the army. And then once, whenever they finish with the army, they travel back here to the States and they do six months of kind of like an internship, um, for school to figure out get experience like for the jobs and you know things like that and then once whenever they finish with the six months then they go back to Israel and then they kind of just start their life Mm. 
so it's it's a, it was a huge culture shock because I was just like, why are why are these seventeen year eighteen year olds you know walking around with like guns wrapped around them and they're yeah. just like, well, they're in the army, and I was like, oh, yeah, that is wild. <laughs> yeah, that yes, is by all means, but it was. It was good to know, you know, yeah. of course, if I come to somebody else's country, it, that's good to know, so. Yeah. So it's very interesting. So how do they, how do you even, like, were, were they basically reached, like, did they reach out to your, through your agent originally, or how did, like, how, are you trying out? How does that even work? Um, yes. We, yeah. majority of every player has, um, of course, like, their very own agent. Well, my agent has been with me as soon as I came out of college. And it's a bunch of networking. That's exactly how it works. So mm. my full bio is put online. So Eurobasket.com. Then it has every single basketball player who's registered within the European Basketball League. Mm. And so it has all my stats. Pretty much anything and everything basketball-wise, you can find me on there. Right. Um, so it's just a bunch of networking. You can now how the coaches do it is they look up a five, four or five position player, at least six foot. The, well, now all these people are get, now all the it kind of filters it out, you know, gotcha. kind of narrows it down, and then the, it goes from research from there. And if they see the agent, uh, my agent's name pop up, they contact my agent. They're like, "Hey, is she still available?" We really would like for her to come. And so it's kind of just, you know, networking and phone calls and negotiating. It's a pretty big business. But yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah, I can imagine it's kind of wild, especially because, like, all the WNBA players play too. So it's like there's probably hundreds and hundreds of people and so, how long were you actually over there? You weren't there for long, right? Just like a month or two. I was. I was not there. I was not there very long at all. Yeah. Uh, um, but the best thing, kind of go back to the WNBA players. Yeah. They, they're, you know, of course, their season carries over into August, October time. Yeah. Uh, within that time period, well, Israel's not very, like a very, very patient country team yeah. league. However, you know, you want to put it. Yeah. So it's kind of just like. We want players from the beginning. We want players to start out from practice and to be here and to get the job done. You know, so mm-hmm. even if you go on and win, you know, the national title um, in the WNBA league, you know, you'll be there probably until the end of end of October. You know, yeah. and then of course you're going to want to rest or maybe not. You can come, go whatever country you'd like. Um, but that kind of works in the favor of those who don't play in the WNBA because we have an opportunity to go to a country to play and start from the get-go instead of kind of just coming in and finding your, you know, your role. Yeah. Um, so that kind of, that kind of was in my favor. Um, now when I had arrived, I got there the end of August and I left the beginning of, no, uh, beginning of November. Yeah. yeah. So it's been, it's been a month since I've been back. Yeah. That's still so quick, though. I mean, I'm sure you probably... I remember when I was talking to you and you were still trying to find a post office. <laughs> yes, I was. I, and because, you know, of course, I, I write letters and I do things like that, you know, for the kids and, you know, anybody, actually. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of just like I'm still adjusting and soon as I was getting adjusted, because it's an eight-hour difference. Yeah. So I'm eight hours ahead. 
So I was definitely adjusting to the whole entire thing. And by the time I got adjusted, you know, the injury had happened. And then it was kind of just like, you know, well, here you go. And I was like, oh, just when I got on schedule, just when I got a routine, you know. But, you know, that that happens. Yeah. It's business and it's a profession, you know, so things like that happen. And it, I mean, that kind of aligns what you said with them being kind of more impatient. That makes sense that they wouldn't, you know, really invest in your recovery. And they'd be like, oh, well, we'll just, we'll just send you home. So <laughs> that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. What about... Um, it does because they also don't have the resources for it. Right. Like, we are gyms. Uh, I went from playing in college where we have two gyms, access to three, four gyms. Yeah. You know, and... Once whenever you play overseas, you only have access to whatever gym is available. Yeah. So I was, our games were played in a high school gym. Wow. And we had to, we barely had to, um, had enough time for um, practices. We didn't really get much of a shoot around because, you know, like we, if we have shoot around, it's going to have to be in the morning time. Well, people have, or the kids there have PE, you know, so mm-hmm. they have like, the, their gym time, their recreational time during school hours. So it's very hard to go see the doctor whenever, you know, we don't even have, like, our own gym. Get an x-ray, yeah. don't have our own gym. You know, so lack of resources is very, 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 you know, yeah. it, it's common overseas. That makes sense. Yeah, that's wild. And so how about Spain? How was, because you were there, were you there for almost, you were there for a while, almost a year or six months or? Yes. Yeah. I was there for, I was there for eight months. Wow. Um, probably about eight and a half months. It was, it was a very, very long period of time, but it, I don't know how really to explain it, but their resources were so much better. It was the structure. Yeah. They're very much a professional team. Spain was by all means a professional team. Not saying that Israel wasn't. Right. It was just it's different. There yeah. was so much structure in Spain. You know, it kinda had that college atmosphere. Like it yeah. was like you will be at practice at ten o'clock in the morning. We will go to the gym afterwards. You will rest your body, eat lunch, come back that evening and have practice again. You yeah. know, so it was very, very structured. And then so they had resources of the doctors, they had resources of an MRI, X-ray, ultrasound machines, laser, you know, they had resources for that. Yeah. And then, so it kind of was just completely different. And see, me, I'm a very structured person. I, oh, yeah. I kind of want... When you <laughs> get into that... Yeah, when you, know, you get so, into that mode, it's hard to not have that. You, I like, I'm the same way. I need to have like this time is this for this time, and this time is gonna be this this. Yeah, you know? yeah. So totally, exactly. totally understand. So, um, not to go back, but I think it's I I just love your story. So when you you because you tore your ACL when you were senior in high school, right? Yes, yeah. it was. Um, a day, of course, I will never forget, and I'm sure every mm-hmm. athlete or anybody who experienced a big-time injury like that, it was our very first uh, scrimmage of our of my senior year. It was during warm-up. Um, again, I was just going up for a simple layup, and I, I came down wrong and tore my ACL, and that was the end of my senior year. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Oh, and at that time, a matter of like two seconds. (laughs) Yeah, and at that time, you didn't know like future college plans or anything like that, right? At the time, I was being heavily recruited by a lot of um, big time schools. 
but at the time, I kind of was just like, I want to stay in Oklahoma. I don't want to adventure out, and I don't want to be, you know, I want to be somewhere where my family can come and watch my game. Yeah. Um, so at the time, I was fully, fully committed, verbally committed. I didn't sign anything, but I was fully committed to the University of Tulsa. Um, and so I was just like, that's where I want to go. And there's actually a, um, a girl on the team um, <clears throat> who had committed there also. So I was just like, oh, it's going to be great. We played two years together, and we're going to go on a play in college. You know, it was just like a perfect perfect story for a perfect movie. You know, like that's yeah. exactly what I had in mind. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you know, things didn't work out that way. So once whenever I did tear my ACL, and I actually signed a letter of intent with them, it kind of was just like, well, you didn't play your senior year, um, so we're going to have to, you know, pull a scholarship from you. And I was just like, oh, okay. So Thanks for telling me two months before graduation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so oh. it was it was very, very hard on me. And it, I, I was like, well, it looks like I'm never going to play basketball again. Like, I literally thought that was the end of my basketball career. Right, yeah. right then and there. <clears throat> yeah. So what was what was the next? How was your um, high school coaches? They, were, they helped you out right, quite a bit, right? Yes. Yes, I went to my um, head coach's office, Coach Wendy Wells, um, who actually played in the WNBA. She, I sat with her, and I cried for hours, and I was just like, Coach Wells, like, I I don't know what to do. I was like, I want to go to school. I want to get, you know, a degree. I was like, but I financially, you know, I, you know, I was in high school. I was like, there's no way I can pay all this money for school. You know, not yeah. knowing anything about basketball at that time. You know, yeah. so I just, I just had my mind set on like scholarships, and so my head coach was just um, telling me, she was like, you know, do you are you serious about playing basketball? And I was like, yes, of course I am. She was like, let me see what I can do. I can make some phone calls, and so she made phone calls, and then she called me in her office, and she was like, I know. Um, Coach Trina Tillis, she was assistant coach at University of Arkansas, and she's now the head coach at Tyler Junior College down in Texas, Mm -hmm. and my head coach actually played under uh, Coach Trina, which we call her Coach T. Yeah. um, Coach Trina, so while my head coach, my high school coach was at University of Arkansas, you know, that's how that resource was connected, you know, so that's how they knew each other, mm-hmm. and so it was, it was really great for me, because my coach was definitely rooting for me, and pulling for me, and she is actually the one who got me in, so I got offered a full-ride scholarship from a junior college down in Tyler, Texas, it was my only offer, because I lost all my offers, I lost all my interest from other colleges, you know, they just were no longer interested, and now I have a full-ride scholarship to go to a junior college. And at first I was embarrassed, but I was like, basketball is basketball, school is school, a degree is a degree, yeah. you still get it done. Yeah, paid for and, Yes, exactly. So I went, and the coach had never saw me play before. Wow. Never seen me dribble, never pick up a basketball. She was in full belief of my high school head coach. And... So because of that, I was able, and that that's just when all the doors started opening up for me. So 
thank you to my head coach in high school and thank mm-hmm. you for to Coach T down in Tyler, Texas, because they both know, like, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for them, too. Yeah. Yeah, and so once you did your time, once you played at Tyler, you still you had kind of another round of recruiting, right? You had another opportunity. With- yes, and kind of going back to that's kind of where I was nerd. Like that's where I was like, oh, junior college. Like I met, like I just had a Division One offer, and I hear I said JUCO. You know, so I was kind of like embarrassed by it, but that's whenever I kept telling myself like this is an opportunity for you to keep playing basketball. You know, like suck it up and get it done. Yeah. But now that I look back on it. The junior college route is probably the best route that you could possibly right. ever do. Well, for me, that's what worked for me. I think for a lot of athletes, that is like the way to go. It's kind of like baby steps, you know. You're like, you yeah. need in a lot, especially native athletes. I feel like they need that. They need to have that. Mm-hmm. If you're thrust into like D one, you know, fifty thousand people, that's a lot. <laughs> right, especially if you come from a super. Super small town, like, and I've, I've never lived on a reservation. Like, I, I honestly can say, like, I've never actually stepped foot on it. So even if there's, because I know there's so many talented athletes on the reservation. Like, I know that. Right. And there's so many talented, you know, athletes that are Native American. So even if they were to get the opportunity to play at a huge, a huge division one, I'm all for it. But the adjustment to going from 300 people in in your town and then all of a sudden you're wrapped around thousands and hundreds and thousands of people that's kind of like that does something to your mind you yeah. know it's just like all of a sudden all these people you know and then on top of that it's class it's that you know basketball practice you have weights you have individuals you have study hall you have some somehow you have to figure out when you're going to eat you know yeah. that it's a yeah. very busy schedule you know, and it's very, it's, time management is huge being a student athlete. Yeah. And so taking yeah. that JUCO route was kind of, it was very much like you said, baby steps. So it was kind of just like, you're here and it's at a JUCO, everybody knows everybody. So it's yeah. a great family, fam, like, it, like if I, my head coach was just like, hey, you need to go see so-and-so in, because my degree is in criminal justice. Mm-hmm. So go see so-and-so in criminal justice. You know, he knows who you are. I know who he is. You know, so it's kind of just like a big, everybody knows everybody, because it's not huge, it's not tiny, like it's not high school, but it's not a big a big 12 or an SEC school, you know, yeah. so it's kind of just the perfect right amount for someone to adjust from a small town, going, working their way up, so it was really, it was, it was really, really, it worked for me, so yeah. I, I, and I, till this day, I'm, I try and tell my brother, like, just take the JUCO route, you know, like, yeah. just do that because it's huge, you know, but, you know, not everybody, and it <laughs> not everybody sees it the way I see it now. Yeah, and it's amazing how much you can change and grow from, like, 18 to 20, you know, like, that two years right. is just, you're just such a different, like, and mentally, physically, like, uh, like all that, so, yeah, I think that's. Yeah. I think it's I'm see I see it so much more now with especially with athletes because it's just a way to kind of mm-hmm. get your grades you know get that kind of gets kind of college under your belt and get that going. Um, how did you end up at Troy? Um, it's kind of a funny story. I love telling this story. Yeah. Um, so of course I've had tons of stories, but this is probably yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. So of course. Um, Tulsa did try to come back in the picture, <laughs> um, but I 
the time, my I didn't play my freshman year of college. I felt like I was not ready because, you know, the baby steps. I was just like, Coach, I'm just not ready. You know, like, I, I just, I, I couldn't do it. And so, because I didn't play my senior year, now I'm thrown into the two-year pro, you know, the two-year JUCO route, and I'm just like, I felt like I wasn't ready. So I spent my freshman year, still recovered, got to 100% where I wanted to be. I still practiced and everything. I just didn't play. Um, so then I took my my uh, courses very, very serious, um, of course. And then my sophomore year is when it escalated super, super quickly. Because, um, you know, time flies by literally when you're having fun and yeah. then when you get wrapped up with basketball every single day. Because yeah. um, it is six months out of, six to seven months out of the year, depending on how, you know, how good you're playing. Um, and so it came, it was right around preseason, I believe. It was right in the end of October. Our first game, I know, was November 7th. And um, that's whenever recruits start, you know, that's whenever colleges start coming in. They want to see how you practice, not just how you play, but how you practice. And so the University of Arizona was looking at me heavy, heavily. And I was just like, what, University of Arizona? I was like, there's no way. You yeah. know, like, there's no way that I'd ever make it there. But they were here sending me letters. They were here at my practices. And my um, the recruiting coordinator at Troy University was, I, I've been coming through town or probably going to Trinity Valley, which is our, our big time rival. Um, and so she was heading there. And so the University of Arizona had told, um, which her name is Coach C, well, Coach Courtney, but, you know, we had called her Coach C. Yeah. Um, she came in and watched me practice. And she was like, forget University of Arizona. I want you to be at Troy University. Yeah. So she no longer was, you know, so she was kind of like filling in the spot for University of Arizona. But then again, she was just like, I want you here at Troy University. Yeah. Um, and so she she stuck by my side the whole entire year, um, the whole entire recruiting period, the whole entire everything. And then I finally took official visit. And I loved every bit of Troy. Um, it was it was an amazing campus. It was a beautiful. I, I, Troy was the only visit that I took. Yeah, I did not take a visit anywhere else. Um, wow. And so I was just like, this is a this is a beautiful campus. They had a forty five million dollar arena, you know. So it yeah. was it was nice. I was like, if that, if this is where I'm going to spend majority of my time, this is where I want to be, you know. Yeah. And it 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 worked out perfectly. And it was great, and you know, Coach C is every bit of my person till this day and I graduated two years ago you know so yeah. I, I know that I can call her whatever time and she's going to be there for me so Troy University was the next step for me after Tyler Junior College and I went on played three years at um, three years here at Troy um, I got my bachelor's within the first two years that I was there and then a year later I got my master's degree in criminal justice so it was a lot had happened within those three years. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. That sounds like such a whirlwind, but great, so great. And yeah, they, I, Troy has just really impressed me with like their athletic program and everything. Really, they've done really, done really well in these past, you know, five ten years. Um, and 
so how our paths crossed actually was when you were at Troy and you played up here in Knoxville against Tennessee and my advisor had saw you he he's always the scorekeeper at the games and um, he saw you and he was like, he knew I was like looking at native athletes and he's like, you know, you should check out this girl, Caitlin Ramirez. And I was, I was honestly really surprised because I was like, well, you, and I know you get this a lot with like your last name and, but, uh, how do you, how, so how is that? Like, how have you dealt with that with like, you know, having the kind of that, you know, everyone thinking like you're Hispanic or, you know, mm-hmm. like how have you kind of grown into like claiming your identity, your native identity? It's very, in, in a way, it's, it's, it's kind of hard because by growing up, I very much look, you know, like I was, they're like, you just look so much like your mom. And my mom's full native, like she's Native American all the way, you know, like yeah. fully Native American. And my dad was Hispanic, you know, so he was, um, he was just this big six foot, six foot five, which is probably the tallest Mexican I've ever seen in my life, you know, so, (laughs) and then here I am, you know, six foot two and everybody, you know, they're just like Ramirez. They're like, and you're Native American? I was like, yes. I was like, I'm Native American and Mexican. And I get compliments about it all the time. And so they're always wanting to know me, like not just the basketball, but they're wanting to know like what tribe are you affiliated with? You know, like, what clan are you? You know, so, like, it's nice getting to educate them. And sometimes I get, like, a little um, worried because it, I, it's not that I turn my head away from the Mexican side. It's just more of, like, there's so many Native American youth that I know that I can, um, you know, connect with. So it's yeah. not like I'm just turning my head against my... Um, Mexican or Hispanic side of my life of who I am because I'm not by any means. Yeah. But there's just so many Native Americans that can relate to the struggles that I've had growing up. Yeah. And so it's kind of just like I pro- like I promise you I'm Native American. Like I ha- I have a tribal enrollment card. Like because they're just like Ramirez. Like Ramirez pops up all the time, and I'm just like I promise you that I'm Native American. You know, and um, so I kind of just like you know not really like feel my whole entire life out to someone who don't even like know me but it's kind of just like well let me tell you a little bit about me let me tell you a little about where I came from let me you know so it's kind of just like just giving a little for them to quite understand um but growing up everybody was just because you know when you grow up in the Native American community everybody's just you know everybody knows everybody and so it kind of it started whenever I was in junior college because, of course, I was the minority of everything, Mm -hmm. you know, because Native Americans don't really go into the big-time college or big-time student-athlete, you know, or anything like that. So whenever I took took that opportunity to go to a JUCO, they were just like, so are you just like, I kind of got what they were saying. They were like, so are you just like full Hispanic or full Mexican or... Because, yeah. like, you know, when they see me, they're just like, there's no way that she's full Mexican. Like, she's got to be, like, uh, Samoan, or she's got to be, like, Puerto Rican, or, you know, she's right. like, I've gotten that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, no, I was like, I'm Native American, and I'm Mexican. And I was like, my dad is Mexican, my mom is Native American. And so, and they're just like, oh, that makes sense. I see the cheekbones now, and I'm just like, <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, so it's kind of just 
it, it takes someone to approach me to actually understand that I am Native American because you know my last name kind of yeah is my last name and it kind of takes over like the Hispanic side yeah well and I I what you're saying though like you know I. How you know you didn't grow up on a reservation, but I think more and more now there's more of kids who don't grow up on the reservation. You know, I think that often gets forgotten. How many Native youth who grow up in like rural areas that don't grow up on the reservation, yeah. and like they kind of yeah. get forgotten and kind of pushed aside. So I think that's really important, and like that you're kind of speaking to that, and like, but at the same time, you can still you you can have a Native American experience without growing up on the reservation. You right. know, like like you yeah. said, I love that you were like you know we were either at a powwow or a basketball tournament. And, like, that is, that is, like, na- that is, like, native life to the T. Like, that is absolutely, like, what I think of when I think of, like, growing up as, you know, growing up native powwows and, you know, t- basketball or any kind of, like, softball sports tournaments. Like, you're yeah. always playing something outside, and it's so, that's so great. So, bring up your dad. Um, you talk about how he kind of influenced you. Um, to study criminal criminal justice and all that? Um, it started whenever I was really, really young. Um, at the time, my dad always, this could probably, probably maybe a little cliche or stereotypical, but my dad worked on cars, you know, because yeah. that's just all he's known, yeah. you know, kind of. And he very much took pride in all of his vehicles and things like that. And, you know, so all my uncles had, like, the nicest cars and, you know, because, I can say this, but because they were Mexican, you know, so they took pride in all their cars. It was just the nice cars. My mom was just like, you're going to have to do something else with your life, you know? So yeah. it's kind of just like, you, she was like, yeah, I want you to have a drive or I want you to be, have some type of success instead of, you know, being like, like my mom held my dad to a high standard because she knew his, um, his capability of doing so much more with his body. Right. And so my dad thought long and hard about it. And so he was just like, all right, he's like, I'll be a police officer. So he then went, which in Oklahoma is called, um, CLEAT, um, like C L E E T, which is like an Academy for those, uh, for like a police academy. Right. And he went through that. He ended up graduating, um, Ended up graduating, and he then became a. He actually became a tribal police officer for the Kickapoo tribe in uh, Oklahoma, mm. and so he was a tribal police officer there. And so from there, it kind of um, his love for you know the law enforcement kind of started growing, and then he became a McLeod police um, police officer in Oklahoma. So McLeod, Oklahoma, which is a lot of where the Kickapoos are. Mm-hmm. And so he, he loved it. He took on that role and he enjoyed it. Um, he then, um, I believe it was, so growing up, it was probably like I was 13 or 14 whenever he was like at the peak of his law enforcement career. And he enjoyed it. He worked nights. He kind of struggled because he worked a lot of like highway crashes and you know he would see things and it would kind of like it would kind of do things to him you know like mentally so that's when he kind of like stepped back but he still wanted to be involved with it so that's whenever he started doing like only local job like local uh, job duties instead of going to 
the big time highway crashes or the big time highway patrol, you know, so things like that. So he kind of just um, wanted to stay locally. Yeah. And so I would see him coming home from work all the time, and I was just like, my dad's a police officer, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I never knew that at the time, like, there's a chance that he can leave and not come back, you know. Yeah. Um, so I never understood that. But then whenever I got, um, when I was 16 years old, my dad had gotten to a really, really big time uh, car accident mm-hmm. and that had done some serious brain injury. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know who I was. My siblings were. He had to learn how to walk, talk, eat, write, you know, just the basics every day. He had to learn all of that all over again. Mm-hmm. And he was never the same ever since. Um, mm-hmm. So he then had, he was probably like 36, 7, I believe, at the time. Um, actually, he's probably younger than that. But he was... Um, that he had the mind of, like, a little boy, you know, mm. so it's kind of just like... Oh, it's heartbreaking. Um, probably, about, probably about 10 or 11, you know, because he had a big time, you know, brain injury. Like, it, it was really bad. Yeah. And so that's kind of where his... It was, like, the peak of his law enforcement career, and I knew, like, that's what I want to do. Like, that's what I want to do with my life, because my dad made it look so fun. He loved it. He enjoyed going to work every single day. Right. And then... Um, then this, you know, injury had taken over, and then when I had turned 17, it was actually the year before, it was the summer before my senior year, um, June 2nd, uh, he actually had passed away, because he then had another injury, mm-hmm. um, head injury, and, you know, it was, he just couldn't battle back from this, from the last one, uh, the second time, so mm-hmm. it was the summer of my senior year, and I was just like, basketball basketball was my coping mechanism for everything in my life and so it hurt me even more to know that three four months later that basketball was taken away from me you know and so that because that's whenever my injury had happened yeah Uh, oh my gosh yeah so ever since my dad was in law enforcement I wanted to pick up exactly where he left off so that's very much how I got involved with um criminal justice yeah and I think we we need just like we need natives in every industry, we need we need natives there being that representation. So that's that's so great. Um, before I let you go, I did want to. I, I, I we've talked about this a ton, but for the listeners and the podcast, um, you know, doing my dissertation on giving back. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about because you've one of the feature you know athletes that I want to talk about um, how you kind of discovered your um, influence and your ability to give back with sports? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Whenever I was younger, there wasn't a lot of um, Native American, um, and I know you've heard me speak about this quite a bit, it's actually like a video that I had done. Um, there wasn't a lot of Native American role models for, like I bet, like for me. So yeah. I'm looking at whenever, at the time, like, Candace Parker, who played at the University of Tennessee, you know, like, that's yep. who I watched, and yeah. I was just like, <clears throat> like, one day, I want to play at the University of Tennessee, which is so odd how this is happening. Yeah, right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was like, one day, I want to play at the University of Tennessee. I was probably, like, eight years old telling my mom, like, one day, I'm going to play on that court, mom. Like, one day, I'm going to play under Pat You know, like, so, like, one day, it's going to happen. Yeah. And so, like, that's what I had done my whole entire life. 
So that's what I kept telling people just because, like, you know, Candace Parker played there. Yeah. And it's the greatest. So then it, it was just <laughs> like, I kind of, I kind of, you know, I, I, nothing against Candace Parker. She's a great player. She's, you know, all the above. But it was kind of like I settled. Yeah. You know, I settled for being, being this player who we probably don't play similar, but I still want to be on this level. I still want to play on this stage. So it was like, in my mind, I was like, well, I can't go to my mom for it because my mom never played basketball at a high level. I don't have anybody in my corner who will understand exactly what I feel or how I feel about this sport that I love so much. And so I kind of was just like my determination and everything that was just like, I, I have to do this for myself because I told myself this is what I was going to do. Well, yeah. it was my senior year that I believe I played at University of Tennessee. Yeah. I was like, and I literally, and this is like no joke, I cried when I walked in there. Yeah. Um, I cried when Pat Summit had passed away because I was like, yeah. I was supposed to meet her. You know, yeah. like, I was supposed to shake her hand. You know, like all, you know, all these things. And I literally cried walking into the University of Tennessee because I was like, I was going back to that eight or nine-year-old little girl who said, I will play on that court, and here I am about to, I may not be, I may not, may not be wearing Tennessee across my chest, but I'm still playing on this, on this court that I said that I was going to. Yeah. And so, at that moment, that's whenever it went up a level for me, and I was just like, I can be a role model for somebody who wants to be at this level, and because I do have younger sisters, I have two younger sisters and a brother, and so it was just like, I want to do this for my sisters. I want to do this for my siblings because um, the not the youngest youngest, but the big youngest, she is, she's all about basketball. And she very much was at a high level. Yeah. So it started there. It started with my two younger sisters. And then her friends got involved. And then her friends and then their friends. And the next thing I know, I'm speaking at schools. And I'm speaking at all these places. And then, and just like that, everything could escalated but on a different level of saying yes I'm a Native American athlete yes I did this and yes I want to be a role model yes I want to show you guys that you too can be at this level if you work hard enough if you do everything that it takes blood sweat and tears injuries all the above you're going to accomplish and overcome you can be at this level you could be standing exactly where I'm at Mm -hmm. talking to other kids 20, 30 years from now and sharing your story. I was like, I can speak to a thousand people at one time, but if I just have one person come up to me saying, I heard exactly what you said and you touched my life, you changed my life and I want to be like you or, you know, things like that, then I'm perfectly fine with living the rest of my life like that. If I just had one, you know, and it's been great because I really want the kids, like Native American kids, to understand that they don't have to be another statistic because statistics within the Native American community are not high in pretty The only thing that they're high in is, you know, suicide, domestic violence, or um, alcoholism. Drug abuse, yeah. Those are the only things, but I'm trying to flip that and say you don't have to be another statistic. Like, you can have a degree. Like, 
people don't know it, but Native Americans are on the uprise. Oh, yeah. On so many levels, by all means. But it's hard to get the younger generation to see that. You know, they yeah. don't, they're not going to watch the news. You know, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're not going to do that. Yeah. So it's up to people like me and even, and I know you, and I, and I speak with Damien quite often. So I know, you know, Damien, like he helps me out because he's been doing this longer than I have. Right. So I, I, I go to him. He kind of like mentors me a little bit on, on exactly what we can achieve together. We're not the same tribe. We, we don't speak about the same thing. We've kind of had our own challenges, but we both want the same thing for the younger community, the native Native American community. Let me fix that. So yeah. it's kind of just like we're we're both pushing for it. So we both want kids to be involved with it. So there's just so much that we all want to change, and the more that we get involved, including you, including Damien, me, maybe fingers crossed, we can get you know the Schimmel sisters, you know, or something. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of just like getting involved with the Native American community could be so, like, it's, it's, it's very important in this time. Yeah, and just growing that network, and I, I've seen it just in, like, the yeah. three years since I started, and it's been so amazing to see this network grow, and it's such a empowering, and, you know, we can, we can do anything, and it's amazing just how much having just representation can help, like, seeing someone else do it means the world and that's and your video too by the way was awesome so I can't wait to um put together all everything so I'm I'm really excited for that but um but yeah so well let me know keep you know I'll maybe I'll have you back on when you um if you make any big plans coming up but um just get healthy and take care of yourself and um I really look forward to what's next for you Yes, I'm looking forward to it also. Thank yeah. you so much. It's always great talking with you and, yeah. you know, and touching ha- up and everything. So it's yeah. good. It's always been good talking with you. Yeah. And have- oh, I appreciate it so much. Quit a sit there and wait, quit a sit there and wait Not a piece of cake, but you can go